Hey, yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown. Here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run-of-the-mill. Tech talk, go G's. We're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question. Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust. Authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way. Only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. All right, Corey, what are you talking about today? All right, Duke, today we're going to talk about our favorite things. And this one is it's kind of a little bit all over the place, but it's all over the place in a good way, I think. All over the place? Oh, all over the place in that it's like a few of our favorite things and we're going to like different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. So, you know, it's not like, okay, we're going to get into like the incident management lane and we're going to stay there or we're going to talk about, you know, this particular job type or anything. We're just going to talk about some of the things that we like in service now. I'll kick us off. All right, so one mm -hmm. of my favorite things is scripted REST APIs. First of all, the platform is amazing, right? Like if you've worked on ServiceNow for anything longer than a month, or if you've built anything in it ever, right? Like you know how amazing and how powerful the platform is. But what enables it to be super powerful is the fact that you can access the platform from any other device that supports REST APIs. And having a scripted REST API it's just like a game changer for me. It's the ability to send data to the ServiceNow instance, run a script against it directly in the API, and then manipulate it on the back end in the table structure or whatever I want to do, literally whatever I want to do, right? Like I can have that spawn an event that sends a report to somebody and I can have that kick off a workflow. I can have it, you know, it, I can have it do anything. Right? Update a record, psh, update a record. That's so blase. Yeah, I, I can have... <laughs> I can have it kick off other integrations, right? Like it, it's basically giving you the ability to have something external to the system, ask the ServiceNow instance to do whatever it is you want it to do, right? And one of the reasons that I find this so powerful and so interesting, right, is because I do a lot of stuff with home automation. And in home automation, you often have triggers that you want to enable or kick off a flow to do something, right? We have the same thing in service now with, with business flows and so on and so forth. Like if I close my door, if I close the kitchen door after 10 p.m., I might want to send an email letting me know house is locked down, right? That's something you can do with a script to REST API, right? Like you close the kitchen door, that's going to send a, a, REST, a REST post message over to ServiceNow. Instance, you're going to kick off that scripted REST API and boom, now you got a notification house locked down. Perfect. Love that. Right. That's just a minor example of, of one of the reasons why I love this thing, but I just love the flexibility of it. It just really, to me, amps up the power of an already powerful platform. What's the coolest thing you've done for a client with? The coolest thing I ever did with it was the integration between a Microsoft product. It was a, a product that they were using to track all of their work in, and I can't like work items and so on and forth, so forth. Right. And I can't remember the actual name of it. It's going to pop to me at the end of the episode. But anyway, the way that the REST API with that product was set up is that it was a lot of sending of post messages and they wanted to really like kick off things in service now that would then send things back to them. Sometimes with a client, you get into a situation where there's multiple work management products, right? And you've got one that is driving the others. That was the case here. So this Microsoft product was the product that was driving all of the work through the enterprise. And though they have ServiceNow and they like ServiceNow and they utilize ServiceNow for some things, right? They wanted to have 
maintain that Microsoft system as the source of truth. And so what would happen is we'd send a post message from that system to ServiceNow. We pick it up in a scripted REST API, and then we have to massage it because the way the data came over was pretty horrible. And so we had to parse through it. We've got to manipulate it a little bit. We've got to enrich it because some of the information wasn't sent, but can be inferred based on the process, right? Like they send two, three different attributes, but they didn't send the fourth, right? But we can look up, but based on those three attributes and us knowing it, right? Like we can create a lookup table and now we can look, send those three attributes, pull back the fourth and then send that into the process, right? And the reason this was really cool is that it was really hard to do this in something like a script include or a business rule, just because of the number of moving parts in it and it was a lot cleaner to put in a scripted REST API and have the scripted REST API then spit out the clean data that can then be utilized throughout the rest of the platform, which would then was used to send data back to where it came from. <laughs> so it was just like this virtuous loop. Anyway, it's probably my favorite because it was the first thing that I worked on with a scripted REST API that really showcased the power. I still got to really go deep on that. I think I've used it once, but was one of those things where you got enough depth for it to stay in your head is kind of like, wow, that was super powerful. All right. My favorite thing is flow designer. And it took me a long time to get there. And I have had on again, off again with flow designer, but it's back on and it's still one of my favorite things. And I think the last time, like it's always given me good vibes in terms of like, wow, this is really powerful. But I think the last time it really rang a bell for me was in my last coaching cohort is the second session we ever talked to each other. And we had already gone over data structure and we already kind of built out the tables that we wanted. And then I said, let's do this piece of logic. Okay. Essentially it's my soaping app, right? You have just real simply, we have recipes that have ingredients, right? Yep. So there's a recipe table and an ingredient table and a table where you store the linkage between recipes and ingredients. Because an ingredient can be on multiple recipes and a recipe can have multiple ingredients. Right. So, right. But when I do a batch, I wanted it to air quotes, actualize the ingredient. So I wanted to have a batch ingredient tape. You put okay. me so far. And I'm with you. Yep. So basically it would say, okay, I'm doing this recipe. So make a similar record, but we'll call it a batch ingredient and make one for every ingredient that I need for the recipe. So now I have these batch ingredients, like the literal use of the ingredient, not the right. theoretical use of the ingredient. Right. And so it's like, how do you get it to do that? And we just think about the code. It's like, okay, glide record here. And then like another glide record and insert multiple. And even I was starting to gag a bit JavaScript I'd have to pull out. But here we are, a team of ServiceNow beginners and me, and they basically built it in Flow Designer and they didn't use any code. Nice. You could wizard it out if you could just think about it and just like do it in little simple steps. You know what that brings to my mind? Constraints breed innovation, right? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's true. There are some high power devs out there. They could probably have written a script to do that in a shorter amount of time than we did in Flow Designer. But like how many of them are there? Right. Versus how many beginners are there in service now? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's a scale. A lot more people can do a lot more stuff. And that stuff is just easier to read. Anybody could pop up that flow and say, okay, that's what the flow does. And then we got it to do something way more complicated. As you're adding the ingredients to the batch, check to see if we actually have enough of it left and then set a flag if we're deficient in that ingredient on the batch. And that 
was still in the flow designer, but that took us all of like one line of JavaScript. <laughs> Which, you know, is, there's a lot of ways to get that one line, right? Like Google's your friend. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't even a complicated line of JavaScript. Just thinking like for one line of JavaScript and this wizardy component-based workflow builder, I got a simple supply chain management solution. Yeah, And then we did it in like hours, you know? So it wasn't like this big, huge, hard, difficult thing. Then you stack that up against solutions where it's like, man, I've spent days on scripts trying to get assessments to do what I want them to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. I know what you mean. Like beating your head up against something yeah. that you're, yeah. I think about all the solutions I've ever had. And the reason I couldn't just get somebody to mock it up was because it needed JavaScript and not only JavaScript, but familiarity with ServiceNow objects in JavaScript, right? It's like Glide Record and Glide Aggregate and Glide System and all that stuff, which you couldn't ask a low-code dev to really, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Like those are all things that you know are outside of the typical common lexicon when you're just starting in service now. Right. And flow designer just gives you that stuff to pick off the shelf. And the deeper I go, the more I love it. Subflows love it. And now that you can actually take the flow and convert it to subflow is super sweet. The more components that they add to it, just the more interesting it gets. And so I just I love flow design. It's like the you know it's like the first tool you reach for. Yeah. That's what it's yeah. like for me. Just, oh, we need something to do this. Yeah, let me just, uh, yeah, I got a couple ideas. Let me just mock something up a flow designer and bingo, bingo, there it is. Yeah, right. Like we all got that one screwdriver that we keep around the house, right? That's got the interchangeable bits yes. and it never fails you, right? <laughs> oh man, here it is. Okay, here it is. So I got this customer and they have this really, I mean, if you hear them explain it, it's really simple, but it's just because the assessment and surveys module and service now is just, uh, <laughs> That way, um, you can, <laughs> like getting it to do anything than that one supremely narrow use case of service. Now imagine when they built it is just like, you might as well be pulling your teeth out with a, with a wrench or with a, what would you put yeah, your man, teeth out I, with? I still Pliers. write my own survey module. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't use, yeah. So <laughs> at any rate, what they wanted was just a lot more notifications along the way because they wanted their surveys to be open for a long time, a long, long time. You got to think like they're a PMO and they want every project that they finish, they want the stakeholders of that project to do a survey on it. It's kind of like a mandatory thing. And so they're basically like three months later, they'll be going back to buggy. Hey, fill out the survey because it goes towards our personal assessments and whatever, personal reviews. So, you know, I'm just like, oh, God, like, how do I make it do that? Like, am right. I putting in a scheduled job that fires an event and I'm making a new event and then I'm having a mail script do all kinds of blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, 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 or, right. Or what else am I doing? Am I cracking open the legacy flow so I can look at the the, the default assessment workflow? Am I, like, going to have to have multiple assessment workflows? Like, how do I even, you know what I mean? At that point, you're even looking at how assessments launch themselves with that stupid business rule they have. Yeah, and it yeah. makes a separate business rule for whatever assessment you have, but they're all named the same. I'm just like, that's... Oh, I'm going to stop you there. Like, you obviously know way more about this process <laughs> than I do. <laughs> but I'll bet you're here as happy about the prospect of working on it as I am working on it. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyways, Absolutely. to make a, an extremely long story, I spent like an afternoon literally just working out in my head. How could I possibly get this to work with all the scripts and all the different ways of doing it? And how much am I going to break this to get it? And we're just like, you know what? Screw that. I'm just going to make a flow. As soon as assessment is created, I'm going to manage all the notifications to fire. I'll do that from a workflow. It was stupid easy. <laughs> and so now it's almost to the point. I'm not quite there, but I'm at this tipping point where I can say, look, like I, I'm not even, I'm not even starting with business rules. I'm going to start with, with uh, flow design. Yeah. You, you and I both have a shared client that built their instance flow designer first, right? And they had some constraints mm -hmm. they were working around to do that. But again, it goes back to constraints breed innovation. And so the, some of the things that they're using flow designer to do are literally amazing and things that I would have never considered. Um, so it's getting there. Right. Yeah. And so my next one, right. One of the favorite things that I'm seeing is the momentum of the product towards low code and ease of use. There's just this large unstoppable force of at service now that is just pushing the product into corners where it's never existed before in terms of approachability of folks of diverse skill sets. So as you were just saying, dude, like a lot of the folks that you're mentoring, right? They don't necessarily have years and years of service now experience, right? But they built the soap app for you in the matter of a couple hours. You couldn't have done that 10 years ago, man. <laughs> no, like, no, for sure. Not. The, the, product, like, part, the product was great. It wasn't there yet, though. It wasn't non-technical jump-in build app. It wasn't there. Technical jump-in build an app? Sure, probably in a week, not in a couple hours. I just love to see it. There's so much of this that makes my life easier, right? Because even though I'm really proficient with code at this point, and I'm really proficient with service now, anything that allows me to scale my skill set and get through client requirements faster is a win for me and the client. And so I know a lot of folks out there are thinking, oh my God, you know, they're moving towards low code. They're moving towards easy use. They're not going to need us senior level folks. BS. They're, they will always need senior level folks, right? In this ecosystem, because the things that you know are things that other people don't yet know and take a long time to learn, right? And so when you get into a situation with a client and they're like, hey, I need to do this one thing and you jump into flow design and well, flow designer can't yet do that one thing, right? Or, you know, you want to do it in a low code way and it turns out, well, you can't actually do that thing with condition builder. Now, what do you do, right? Or you've seen this before. And because you've seen it before, you know exactly where you need to go do it to tweak it, right? Like there's always going to be a market for a skill set in this, in this ecosystem, but we should all be embracing the fact that all of this stuff is now easier for all of us to do. And that's really appreciated from my perspective. I, I totally get you. It's like the stuff that's coming out of Vancouver with the new, like, yeah. the easier to describe conditions so you don't have to write scripts for it. Like, or is the user logged in? Like, it's just menu driven now. Right. Right. Or, or are they impersonating? And holy cow, dude, I just had an aha moment. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay, so this is all coming from the screenshot that we got from Vancouver and blah, 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 safe harbor and all that stuff. But there's that thing that they're adding to ACLs where basically, like, you can add those new types of conditions. Right. And one of the ones I saw on that list was is impersonating. Yeah. Which is awesome. Because <laughs> if you're in a position where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I need to impersonate this person, but I'm not going for the ACL experience, right? Right. You know what I mean? Just let me do what I want to do as this person, but you can't do yes. it as that person because you're oh not Oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> even, oh, dude, that's a game changer. 
I see. Yeah, I remember like, a couple times where it's happened. It's just like I get it. I know. I know why you're trying to stop me, but I promise you, I'm not here for the ACL stuff. I'm here for something completely different. Right. I'm here, and I need <laughs> to be in this context, but I need to have powers in this context. Yeah. Just let <laughs> me see the record. <laughs> like, please just let me see the record. Oh. Right. <laughs> and you know, and and yeah. Oh man, that's same changer. That's awesome. I didn't even think of that. So that goes back to my point, right? There'll always be a market for expertise in this ecosystem, right? Because folks like us have seen this before and know that this can be an issue and know how to now to go fix it. And it's easier now to also fix. If only for the reason it makes it easier for me. Right. Because I didn't like, I didn't grow up building solutions with JavaScript. I didn't come at it from, I'm a hardcore developer, a full stack developer. Welcome to service. I came at it from, hey, totally average guy. Yeah, like, yeah, totally right? mediocre man. You're a service now. You're in charge of it now. I'm like, well, okay. Oh, and over 15 years, it got good. But as they make that stuff more and more easy, oh, dude, pray the Lord that they hear this for the eye builder. There's some stuff in Vancouver about that too, right? And I'm not qualified enough in UI builder to talk about how easy or how much easier it'll actually make the process go because it's been hard. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that they hear us and I do think that the gods of service now are moving their hammer in that direction, right? To get that working for more of us average folks. And I agree with you. I'm not a coder, dude. At least I wasn't right until service now because I grew up in the days of DOS. But like the first time I wrote JavaScript was the first time I logged into a service now instance. It's one of those things you, I built the muscle and as a side note, right, if you listen to this and you don't know how to code, it's possible. I didn't know. I now know it is possible. I go a lot of the coaching cohort. Like a lot of people are approaching it that they don't have a technical background or that kind of technical background. I'm just like, look, you're going to learn how to code. And it's not the end of the world. It's as big a scary thing as you think. Because it's like, I, get, I, think, I think you said in one of our episodes, like, look, we're not training you to be a JavaScript developer. Right. I mean, we're training you to know enough JavaScript is to work in ServiceNow. There's a big, huge difference between the two of those. We're going way off topic here. No, yeah, yeah. But, but here, I got a rant for this, right? Because I think a lot of people forget this, right? Or sometimes they never knew, right? But in this market, in our ecosystem, companies aren't hiring you like in, in clients, right? Like the ServiceNow customers. They're not hiring you to be like amazing JavaScript developers, right? They're not hiring you to do wizardry in the ServiceNow platform. They're hiring you to solve problems with technology. That's what they're hiring you. They don't care if you do that with the condition builder or JavaScript or DOS script, the 640K of convention. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They got an outcome that they're looking to achieve and you are there to facilitate that, right? You're there to get them to that outcome. And so when you start thinking about, oh man, coding, I'm got, I got to be able to be a full stack developer. You don't. You need to know enough JavaScript to get you to be able to solve problems on the ServiceNow platform. That's what you need. You don't need anything else. Sorry, ran off. That's just. Yeah, that's okay. That's a good one. All right, let's see. Um, whose turn is it? Uh, it's yours. Yeah, because right uh, we got two of these. <laughs> so right so Harry, so well, let's 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 meta this one out a little bit right it took us 20 minutes to figure out what we're going to talk about today and now 20 minutes in we've talked about two of those things, <laughs> two of those things. 
Okay, well, I, let's just roll with it. I'll tell you another thing. Go for it. I mean, it goes off of your rant, though, too, is that there are different things when putting them together. Explore and send utils. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like, and, and I know they were built for serious developers, but it makes life so much easier for even beginning level devs. And SNUtils specifically, like, I know that thing does a ton of stuff, but I use it every single day in background scripts. Yeah. It just makes yeah. background scripts so much better. They're color coded and it does that whole type of head thing on the object. So it's like glide record dot happiness ad query. It's like Clippy without the Clippy. Did That's you mean right. to <laughs> But even variables you describe, right? Like right. And then becoming that type of, I know there's a proper name for what these kind of tools are. I don't care. Like SNU tails is red on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on these, right? Like, I think anything that makes the development experience easier, right? And allows you to scale your time better is a-okay in my book. And so I, I totally agree with you on both of these. So they're both awesome. And it goes back to my previous rant, right? This stuff going low code and ease of use. We've already in the ecosystem have been building those things, right? Like in ServiceNow, it's just getting a hint and starting to build it themselves. All right. So um, my next one is data certification, right? It is an unsung hero of a ServiceNow instance. It I is really, her. yeah, man, like it's, so I built a whole app using this thing that allowed organizational wide certification of distribution lists, right? So the idea behind it was there's a ton of distribution lists here. Nobody knows who owned, who owns them. People often transition between departments or out of the organization. Somebody needs to do the care and feeding of the membership of these groups. And nobody's willing to do that. So how about everybody do it? And so using data certification, I hacked it a little bit and had it running against group objects and ownership and boom, bada bing, bada boom. Now you've got data certification objects going out to the owner of every distribution list that you have in your CMDB. Another thing that was just so cool, cool, so cool, is that you had this concept where you could then nominate a new owner based on the people in the membership list. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. My point is, is that data certification was the backbone of that app, right? And it allowed this ability to run on a schedule, to run ad hoc, to be a good front end for the user experience so that folks can just go into the portal, click a few buttons. You know, that stuff goes back to data certification and gins it up and then it either re accepts or rejects it and that sort of thing, right? It's just such an amazing thing that I think is underutilized because it's often only looked at through this, the lens of the CMDB and not what other processes that you might need to certify, right? What do you need to understand whether or not it's been done or yeah. needs to be done and who owns it? and attributes that might need to change on the fly. You know, all of these sorts of things, right? Like, there's a whole list of things that I can think of, right? That it's it's the fundamental thing, right? Like data goes stale. Yes. Like, yes. Just, Thank you. And <laughs> it's like, how would you normally make sure that this data is not stale? And so why not put a workflow around the upkeep and certification of the data? It's, yes. It's kind of one of those things that you have to sit back and just marvel the simple, elegant beauty of it. You know yeah. what I mean? And plus they did need a certain specific inter interface for that, right? Because it was kind of like, hey, are all these hundred records correct? And of course you don't want to be pulling each one of those things up on a form like a pleb. Right. And, 
the interface to say like change five or six of them at a time this way and that way. Yeah, and it also gives you the interface, too, of grouping them together because you also don't want to go in and have to say these six servers go to Mike and these 20 go to Jen, right? Like you don't want to have to be able to do that. So you go in and you can set condition builders, boom, and now Mike gets everything that's a VMware server and Jen gets everything that's in Azure, right? Things like that. And if you do it correctly, this thing practically runs itself after you set it up. (laughs) And you get the benefit. You just reap the rewards of that. You can get a report that says, yeah, everything is solid. And you can stand behind that because you know why you can stand behind that? Because other people have validated that it's solid. People, the subject matter experts like th- this is you don't understand like how like most people don't understand like how important this is for business. We're doing things like asset management, especially things like asset management. What do we have? I don't know. All right, somebody needs to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? it doesn't everybody on the process rules they like trust but verify. Okay, yes. so tell me again how you're going to verify it. Right. And now that we validate it, we've gone through this asset management process. We've got all of our assets logged into ServiceNow. We've got corresponding CMDBs for them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how do we make sure that we don't have to redo this work again in six months or a year or a year and a half? Data certification takes care of that for you. This stuff is expensive. Right. In man hours, like certifying data. <laughs> so, yeah, this one's an unsung hero in my book. I love it. I remember that app you built. I haven't had a good opportunity to leverage it, but ever since I saw what you did there, I was like, always something. It's a checkbox in my head when somebody's describing an app to me. I'm like, is there anything in here that sounds like you're going to have to? Right. And if so, let me get a certification or. Exactly. It's like, let's go ahead and get you in here. Let's do something with it. <laughs> yeah. um, All right, what do you got, Duke? Okay, a lot of things at once. Reporting and PA, I know it's a big thing. I love it. And I, I don't love it in terms of fulfilling the insight minds of people like, oh, look, could you give me a report with incidents by priority? And since that didn't illuminate them any, it's like, well, give me one more incident by category. <laughs> um, I love the mindful thinking of the outcomes that the process is trying to achieve. And then measuring for the support of the outcomes. Yes. And I, I especially love building dashboards for different roles in the process. Like it's not like Reach. everybody in the process has to have the same dashboard. We have one dashboard. It's like, that's such a stupid idea, right? Like, well, these four things are for you. And these four things are for you. We just put them together and mix it up because anyway. Yeah. Um, no, right? I, I love, I think the unsung hero of the platform is the number reports. Do okay. this query and show me the number. Yeah. There's 42 of them. And if you just think about an operator, I call it operator reports. It's the reports that go in front of people who are required to do the day-to-day act. Yeah. And all they care about is, dude, just show me like what the next most important one to do is. Right. And that could be boiled down to a dashboard with three or four numbers on it. You don't have to make it super complicated. Let the no, analysts I... go deep on the line graphs and the Pareto's and the pie charts and the, and the whatever's. Let the analysts go deep on that. For the operators, it's just like get the most important work in front of them. I, I still think that you talk about reporting in probably the best way in this ecosystem because you see it from the perspective of the people who are doing the work, people who need to analyze the results of the people who are doing the work, and the people who need to plan the next thing. Right. (laughs) And reporting is the thing that allows you to know that you're achieving the outcomes 
that you're trying to achieve and where to adjust if you're not. That's right. I mean, I always beg my coaching course to think about the outcomes first, or just imagine that you're paying for this thing in push-ups for your own money. Right. Like, why are you going to spend this money for? Like, IT would won't blink an eye. Like, is it six six hundred? Like, a hundred thousand dollar implementation of whatever. But what if yeah. you had to pay? Yeah, I don't, I don't have six lying around, and so I had better be damn sure that that's going to improve something for my life. Okay, so you get it implemented. Okay, did it improve my life by like a hundred thousand dollar factor? How do I know? Right. Well, you don't because most people do reporting air quotes on their scopes of work. But I love I love the capability that sits underneath. I love just thinking about reports, like what report gives performance, and then putting PA on top of that. So I know my outcomes. I can get PA to measure the outcomes. But every single day I can see, am I getting closer to what I need? Am I getting farther away from what I need? And yeah. I guess the last thing I'll throw in here too is it allows me to make smart decisions about managerial energy, right? Like it's not like we can just say, Make all the outcomes we're pursuing go up. And in fact, that would be a stupid way of operating, right? Yep. If you're in the infinite domain and everybody's super ultra responsive to the tickets, ultra responsive to the tickets, do you want to force it to improve when it's already up above everybody's expectation? Meanwhile, some other metric is down. Why would you? Like you only have, you can only have a time enough to drive one or two elements. And so BA allows you to get to a point where you don't care about a metric. We solved that whole response time. We solved that. Now we're on to the next big managerial dragon. Exactly. It allows for the efficient allocation of resources. And that is something because we all have finite resources. This reminds me of a quote by a, a guy named Red Adar. Red Adar, he was a firefighter. And the quote is, if you think it's expensive to hire a professional to do the job, Wait until you hire an amateur, right? <laughs> and so the reason that popped in my head based on what you're talking about, right, is, is because all of these things are things that professionals bring to the table. And every company, no matter how big they are, has finite resources devoted to specific tasks, right? If you want to actually get the job done in a reasonably respectable man- manner. You need to have a professional. This is how professionals think. So anyway, that's kind of the tangent. I, I probably took it just because I really liked the quote. But <laughs> do we are at like 40 minutes of record. Uh, do, you, do we have time for anything else? We have time for one more. I got time. All right. So here, I'll drop this one in here. Virtual agent is one of my favorite things. What I love about virtual agent is aside from all of the exciting possibilities now with Gen AI, I love that virtual agent allows folks to interact with the system in a different way, in a more approachable way, in a way that a lot of people are getting more familiar with because they're often interacting with other services that they consume in the same way, right? The ability on the back end of virtual agent to structure these conversations and to utilize different integrations and resources. One of the things that I did that I thought was really cool was I was able to, there the client had a, a external knowledge base and what they wanted to do was to have the virtual agent search both their internal knowledge base on the ServiceNow platform, but then go out and 
search their external knowledge base as well. I think it was like write something or other, write answer, write check. I don't know. And, uh, and they had a REST API, right? And so boom, bada bing, bada boom. In the conversation designer, we pull a REST API, we loop through those returns, right? We get a little bit of a snippet. And now you've got in the chat window, you've got a return on your search that has searched both your on-site and off-site knowledge bases, right? And folks can page through that and select the one that they want. And incident deflection is my point here, right? You have a robot and the robot basically allows you to deflect an incident. And it, again, dovetails into more efficient use of resources. And it's just really cool. I like playing with it. <laughs> oh man, I have a feeling that there's going to be some greater than the sum of their parts collaboration between generative AI and virtual agent, right? Dude. Because virtual agent, you had to structure it. You had to say, here is the best next. But now with Gen AI, the language models are built correctly. Maybe the virtual agent can be a little bit more figured out itself. That's why I'm hoping that the partnership in this direction goes, right? Like the ability to have a bit more open-ended conversations where the coding that you do is more guiding the AI to help the user get to the point where they want to be, but not having to structure each step in the process very deliberately, right? I think there will be a lot of value there. And the thing that I've always wanted, and we're so close, is to be able to log into a virtual agent, right? And it's like, and I think you can, you can do some of this because I have, right? Say, oh, hey, Corey, I see that you are in office building number seven. What can I help you with? Like, I can't print. Oh, let's take a look. Looks like you're close to printer number three. Is that the printer that you're talking about? Yes, it is. Okay, great. One second. It looks like that service is offline. Here, let me restart it for you. Try again. <laughs> right? That's what I want. That is where the solution that I want to deploy to clients and allow them to like just revolution revolutionalize revolution change transform the way that they do internal IT support and other process support so that's why i think virtual agent is cool and that's why i think it's pretty much has limitless potential especially now with gen ai all right those are right. a few of our favorite things why don't you wherever you see this put in the comment section what some of your favorite things are and why and maybe we can bring you on to an episode yeah, and uh, and like and smash that su subscribe hey, yo, button or something. And still no outro. Still no outro. 90th episode. No outro. No outro. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question. Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust. Authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way. Only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what's success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that? Huh? service now come on yeah i said welcome to the winner's circle yeah yeah